I don't really know how to start shows. Come on now, don't start, don't start liking me now. So yeah, I'm funny compared to, you know, well, you'll see later. I stand for mayhem! I know a lot of fucking idiots. I think a lot of shit is mean-spirited just because it goes against what they believe. But the relief of comedy is it takes things that aren't funny and it allows us to laugh about them for an hour. We got a purple suit to buy and a gigantic coffin. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Why You Laughing History Comedy Podcast. And today, I am pleased to introduce to you Nathan Fielder's Nathan for You. Uh, really, only the third TV show we've covered. Although, I guess there are some others that would qualify as TV episodes. Obviously, all the late night stuff we've done. I guess you could say Tom Green and Jackass, stuff like that, are considered TV episodes. But as far as TV shows we've focused on, we've done Seinfeld, The Simpsons. Uh, we also did South Park versus Family Guy, but that's a little different than what we're doing today. Mm-hmm. So I think the official uh, full history of a television show, Nathan, for you, might seem like an odd one to do in that order. You would think maybe All in the Family or a historic show like that. But to me, what Nathan, for you, did is kind of in that uh, pantheon of innovation, which is a word I like to use a lot on this program. Uh, I really think it's one of my favorite shows you could probably argue ever, but certainly of the last uh, 10 or 15 years. And I think definitely did something a lot different uh, than a lot of shows, particularly on like, you know, mainstream television we're doing in the last uh, 15 years or so, particularly comedies. Like you can't point to a ton of great comedies in the last uh, 10 or 15 years that you would qualify, that you'll be showing people for decades. And it really didn't find its footing until, uh, I would say until it was on Hulu. That's when a lot of people started to find it. And now, obviously, Nathan Fielder is blown up. Maybe eventually we will talk about Nathan Fielder's career in full because I enjoyed the rehearsal. I've heard good things so far about the curse that is on right now with Emma Stone. That was another reason I wanted to talk about Nathan for you is a lot of people are talking. I see Nathan Fielder uh, trending a lot on Twitter and all that stuff right now. And uh, I don't know that in your uh, professional estimation, Craig, do enough mm. people appreciate Nathan for you? Cause I really think of it as a show that you could qualify as one of the greats based on how different it is. There's not a lot that's necessarily in its category. I think you could argue maybe like some of the stuff that Tom Green did early on is definitely similar. There's certainly influence out there for it, mm-hmm. but I don't know how much is in the category of, uh, Nathan for you really I, I don't think so and I think I am a prime example of it because every time I watch it I love it but I never really go out of my way to see it you know like, yeah, I, 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 I just find him to be hysterical and uh, you know I don't know. Maybe the more different shows he does, the more you start to get the joke and things. Yeah. But particularly Nathan, for you, through four seasons, it really never got old. So I want to talk a lot about that. Um, first, I do want to remind everyone if you're a fan of the show, and I see, you know, it's very nice people tweeting us their rap. I don't know what that means necessarily. I guess we're one of the top. Like in your, if you're, if we're in your top five, people tweet us some list that they get from Spotify or something. So I people, I appreciate people tweeting us those if, uh, if we made your cut. Um, but if you really want to support the show, you go to blindmike.net. That's where the real fans go, baby. That's where you can uh, support the show for free everywhere you get podcasts like Spotify or Apple or YouTube. Uh, make sure this YouTube channel blows up. Um, you know, spread the word, share episodes, like, comment, all that. And then uh, if you want bonus episodes, if you want these episodes a week early, if you really wish, if you say, hey, I love 
Nathan, for you, I was jonesing for it last week. Where were you? Well, we were on Patreon and YouTube members. Um, they got the episodes last week. They also get bonus episodes. So become a member on YouTube or Patreon, whichever is more convenient for you. And uh, that's how you can support the show. We appreciate it. Blindmike.net. So make sure you go there. Uh, all right. So let's get into a little bit of Nathan. Like I said, this is a Nathan for you episode, not a Nathan Fielder episode. But uh, just for anyone that doesn't know, because I always make the mistake. I, I always assume like the things I'm interested in, it'll be boring if I talk about the basics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we always get comments saying like, oh, I actually didn't know that. So let's uh, this is a clip where we kind of go real quick through some of the basics of Nathan Fielder's early career. This is a ridiculously thorough history of Nathan Fielder. Yeah, sorry, in- by the way, I got it from uh, YouTube short. I apologize for the uh, TikTok element of it, but it is a good summary. <laughs> This is a ridiculously thorough history of Nathan Fielder in one minute. When Fielder was 13 years old, he joined the Vancouver Magic Circle with a friend of his, and it was just the two of those children and a bunch of old men. That same year, he was transferred to a large public school. He ended up joining the improv team where one of his partners, Seth Rogen, said it was not even on the table that he would act like he was burning in lava. In 2005, Nathan moved to Toronto. He bought a video camera and made hundreds of experimental video shorts. When he screened his shorts, he realized that people were laughing more at his mannerisms than the actual jokes. His shorts eventually got popular enough that in 2007, he was recruited to join a show called This Hour Has 22 Minutes, where he was given an interview segment called Nathan On Your Side. In 2009, he became a writer on the Comedy Central show Important Things with Dimitri Martin, along with John H. Benjamin, then joined the cast and writing crew of John Benjamin Has a Van, and while he was there, that's when he pitched Nathan for you to Comedy Central and became the Nathan Fielder we all know and love today. It's funny. Sometimes we talk about people and we're like, oh, I can't believe like uh, Gary Shandling writing on um, Sanford and Son. You're like, boy, that's weird. I wouldn't expect that's where he started. Uh, Nathan Fielder's early work all makes a lot of sense. And even after Nathan for you, like writing for Sasha Baron Cohen, Sasha Baron Cohen's Showtime show makes perfect sense. Like him Mm -hmm. working with Dimitri Martin and John Benjamin. That seems to really fit. Um, The one thing I did find interesting is yeah, he did go to uh, school when he was young with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, he was in improv with Seth Rogen. And it's so weird to me that like there's a high school, because sometimes you'll hear stories like that, multiple famous people in the same class or whatever. It's weird because like, I, you know, Seth Rogen's become a strange case to me now where he's, he's a great example of someone that's gotten swallowed by Hollywood and just feels like his political opinions are much more important than they are. Yeah. Uh, rather than his, his actual comedic, chops but um for my childhood like if you're talking super bad knocked up pineapple express all those movies this is the end um like seth rogan had a generational run the same way will ferrell adam sandler jim carrey did uh for like kids of those generations um like my guys i would consider seth rogan and evan goldberg and in his high school there just happened to be another comedic genius yeah that went on into to a totally separate career of seth rogan like uh you know i think nathan fielder appeared in like neighbors or something but they're not attached to each other in any way they just happen to be from the same town i guess they happen to loosely know each other yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they've done like I, i've seen um seth rogan did like an interview with nathan fielder and talked about him in interviews and said like when he was young he was definitely hilarious and but when uh, nathan fielder spoke of seth rogan he's basically said I was a weirdo who was into magic and Seth was more like traditionally 
fun, accepted as funny, you know, which mm. I think makes sense if you look at both of their comedy. Yeah. And you can go back actually and look at uh, things like Seth Rogen at like 16 doing stand up, and he's like crushing. In uh, when I was listening to Nathan, he said Seth started stand up at like 13, I think. Like, yeah. he'd sneak into open mics. And yeah. Stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. So we'll do Seth Rogen someday, but this is about Nathan Fielder. So uh, you also heard mentioned there. Um, the Nathan on your side, which is a segment on a Canadian TV show called this hour is 22 minutes, which was a news parody that even Nathan said very similar to the daily show and had very daily show vibes. And I think even when you watch these clips, you'll see a lot of, uh, similarities to the daily show. And as I was watching these, I realized like John Stewart and the daily show don't get enough credit for this sort of style. Like I think of. Uh, Ali G, obviously, mm-hmm. when you're talking about like kind of mocking, mocking interviews, mocking like 60 minutes or something like that. Uh, but the but the Daily Show actually also did a great job, and this feels very Daily Show. I'm actually surprised, given his Comedy Central background, that Nathan uh, didn't pop up on the Daily Show. But this is um, the segment called Nathan on Your Side that eventually spawned Nathan for you. What should a consumer look for when purchasing an MP3 player? Uh, when purchasing, size is, is very important. Uh, anywhere from 512 <laughs> megabytes to 2 gig, depending on what they want to do with that item. Okay, so just for a visual example, I'll be the consumer coming into the store, mm-hmm. and you sell me an MP3 player. Okay. Okay. Hi. <laughs> Just to start out that way. Oh, hi. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> uh, what brings Good. you in today? Pardon? What brings you in today? Uh, just browsing. Just browsing? <laughs> Have you seen the new uh, iPod uh, MP3 players available? Oh, yeah. I'm not really interested in an MP3 player. <laughs> no. <laughs> Would you like to see what I'm speaking about? That's okay. I'll just have a look around by myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you need to have any questions at all, just uh, just ask. I'll be here. Okay. Sure. Thanks. <laughs> Has anything caught your eye at all? No, not yet. <laughs> not yet? <laughs> Would you like to listen to uh, an MP3 player? That's okay. I'm really not interested. <laughs> <laughs> Do you live in Halifax here? Look, I'm, I'm just browsing, okay? So I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> guy hates his life. Hi, my name is Daniel. What is your name? Sorry, are you like, are you interested in like a date or something? I don't know why you keep coming up and chatting with me. I said I'm just browsing. Have a look around. Absolutely. So it's important to be prepared when purchasing electronics because you might encounter some annoying salespeople. Nathan Fielder on your side. I mean, 
to say very Nathan for you is an understatement. Like that is exactly, that's exactly what he did on that's the, the show, show. Basically. Yeah. That's the show. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and that's what he would do. And it, what's interesting there is you hear the laugh track, obviously I actually think the no laugh track is much better. Like I think the laugh track takes away for sure from what Nathan's doing. Cause you don't live in the awkwardness. That is the silence that's happening, you know? Correct. Like it almost feels hearing that version of it. It almost feels sketchy. Like the guy is sketchy, meaning like an SNL sketch. Yeah. Like that guy is in on it, you know? Whereas when you have the Nathan for you style that you just languish in silence, it, you feel the awkwardness and uncomfortableness that he makes you feel. Just, just right and, from him going, uh, no, I'm just browsing. You're like, Oh, like <laughs> that guy does not want to be there at all. <laughs> It's it's beautiful improv because it's the exact opposite of what improv is. It's instead of yes and, just no. <laughs> you trying to like, date I'm me? not going along with this. And that's why, yeah. like, um, you know, I, I saw some stuff from that Showtime Sasha Baron Cohen thing. Mm-hmm. But you would think like the pairing of those two would be so amazing. And like it was there was some funny stuff in there. But like you would think the pairing of those two would be revolutionary because those are the two best guys at it like Borat mm-hmm. and Ali G and Nathan for you would probably be I mean I'd have to think like Mount Rushmore of just making you feel awkward in comedy yeah it'd be those three and Andy Kaufman I would think definitely definitely that's a good I mean, co- by the way I'm aware that Ali G and Borat are the same guy I just wanted to make that clear before I get comments on yeah, did we do a, a coaching tree actually on the Kaufman episode because that's exactly what it would be is those two I definitely you know I definitely mentioned Sasha Baron Cohen I think I think I did I shouldn't say definitely but uh I don't know that I mentioned Nathan Fielder because those two, these two guys are obvious descendants of Andy Kaufman and that's what I was talking about where like Kaufman, while at times I think too, you know, we said this in the episode, but too much was discussed of like how insane Andy Kaufman was, where I think he was just a a little off the wall guy that liked making people feel uncomfortable. I don't think he was this megalomaniac that like the movie depicted, like Jim Carrey depicted him as. But what he did do is open the door for guys like Nathan Fielder that found a different way to make people laugh and make people laugh at the awkwardness rather than some sort of set up punchline or a character or something like that. Um, so we have one more from uh, Nathan on your side, right? Yeah. The real estate. Yeah. Let's hear that. Is now a good time to buy a home. Mm-hmm. Yep. Interest rates are stable now. You can still get a good rate. So it is very good time to buy. Okay. So this is a new home. That we're in right now. Mm-hmm. What room is this? The master bedroom. And what would go on in here? <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> like if a couple bought this place, what would they do in here? Well, it's the master bedroom, so this is where the people would uh, probably purchase um, a very nice bedroom set. Yeah, but what else? <laughs> <laughs> um, like, what else would they do in here if you catch my drift? Yeah. <laughs> um, she wants to die. Do you catch my drift? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and what is my drift? 
I'm not quite sure, actually. Like, if a couple bought this place. Yeah, yeah. What would they do in here if you catch my drift? <laughs> um, <laughs> what would you do in here? <laughs> what would I do in here? Hmm. Well, I'd probably be alone. Mm. You know, find a way to enjoy myself. If you catch my drift. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't think I have any other questions. <laughs> it's it's funny because it's just a statement on like how polite or uncomfortable people are. Whereas like, rea- in reality, if you broke it down, if this woman just said like, "Oh, you're re- implying like if they had they would have sex in here," they, is that is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. And then the conversation's kind of over. <laughs> or, or Nathan would be like, "Oh God, I didn't mean that." Something like that. Right. But like, it shows off how uncomfortable we are. We're like, "You're a stranger. I don't want to talk about this with you." When in reality, it's not that. We all know exactly what he's referring to. We all caught his drift. An- yeah. Yeah, we all caught his drift, but there's just such a discomfort in saying that that he that he's exposing with these interactions. It's so funny too because she, if you're just listening, she will not look at him throughout this whole thing. She's looking up, down, <laughs> left, right, <laughs> yeah. and that's always my favorite part when thinking about uh, these. Because at this time, obviously, Nathan Fielder's not famous or anything. No one knows who he is. So the idea that these people think they're just on some like Canadian news program like local news or something like that Mm -hmm. they're like what what is this guy doing this is this is never gonna make the air what is he doing (laughs) (laughs) he's he's great i didn't i i've always like i said i I watched uh season one and two of nathan for you and then i stopped and i don't know why yeah so well i I was the opposite actually because i was still in college when uh nathan for you started Mm -hmm. and i would see i would watch you know south park or whatever i was watching that on comedy central and i would see commercials for nathan for you and the way they market and i'm not even sure this is their fault but it was like this you know dramatic music like it made it made it seem like it was gonna be this hardcore uh you know program and then at the end, they just have Nathan for you go hi in his kind of like sheepish voice. Yeah. And when I see those commercials, like I said, I'm not even sure it's their fault because my instinct was like, oh, I get it. He's he's weird. He's awkward. <laughs> but then like, so I didn't even really give it a chance for a while. And then once you do, you realize like, oh, he's he's brilliantly funny. Like well, the stuff that he's doing, it's not just like um, Flight of the Concords, who I liked when I was a kid. Season but one. a lot of people's criticism of Flight of the Concords was the more it went on, it's like, mm-hmm. we get it, they're awkward. But another thing about Flight of the Concords is they're scripting it that way. Right. Like, they're scripting the awkward interactions, whereas Nathan Fielder is going out into the world and probably failing a lot. I'm sure there's a ton of footage they couldn't use because the guy got the joke or knew who Nathan was or something. Yeah. So that, to me, is more impressive. And that's why Borat is such a, an amazing film. And I don't think it's weird you almost don't think of Borat as like a movie, like a comedy movie, because when I think of my favorite comedies of all time, I go, you know, super bad, uh, Tropic Thunder or whatever. I Borat often slips my mind mm-hmm. because you don't even really think of it as a movie. Cause it's a different, it seems like a different work of art. And that's why, that's what I was saying at the beginning of the episode with Nathan for you is like, you don't even, you don't necessarily, you don't think of this as a sitcom. Certainly. Like, there's not even really a defined genre because so few people are good at that, I think. 
Yeah, and it, uh, that was a perfect uh, description of Flight of the Concords too, because it was awkward. But like you said, it was it was uh, you know they're ma- they're creating right. the awkwardness, the- and there's some there's some of that with the office as well, where right. it's like you know, and um, I, and I think that's why Curb seems more natural because there's an element of that with Curb, but it's improv. So yeah, like ninety percent. It's of a, it. th- th- there's a little more uh, at least the the feeling of naturalness to yeah. it. And uh, season one of Flight of the Concords, it was awesome i loved it but they had those songs written and then wrote the show around that and then and they, they admitted that too where they're like we just had we had to write all new songs we like we didn't expect a second season honestly right so. so they did season two and they mapped it out and then had to write songs around that instead so it was backwards that's why it wasn't right as, as good right um but yeah, no, like the the balls that he has to stick to and and not break character, like the uh, the episode where he uh, goes camping with people on the on a mountain so they can save like thirty cents on gas. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's just so I, uncomfortable. Here's the thing: is here's the thing. There's an intangible to Nathan Fielder that you could not coach, you could not teach anyone. Par- partially because a lot of what made Nathan Fielder makes what makes Nathan Fielder funny is his voice and his temperament. Correct that a lot of people don't have. You couldn't just take even someone who's really funny. I don't think you could coach them into doing this well. Never. Because they would break or there would be times where they wouldn't be as awkward as Nathan is just kind of naturally being. Like this is an exaggerated version of who he actually is in some way. Yeah. Um so that's that's impossible to to duplicate, I think. I think whereas there is there are forms of stand up that I think you can kind of learn what's going to be funny you can learn how to write a joke more so than you can learn to do whatever this is i think i think um francis ellis could pull it off possibly he's got like that i don't know i don't know enough about his uh he's always very monotone his volume's different but he's very monotone and that i think that's the uh the key to nate he's always on the same level subconsciously probably what made me think of doing this episode, like I said, I know the curse is very popular right now, mm-hmm. but also we had uh, our friend David Collins from David Collins, 30 minute <laughs> half hour show on the blind Mike project. Why do you, why do you bring him up? <laughs> and like he, he, he's, he stonewalls you. Oh <laughs> man. It's weird. Like you can't get him to break. And I think that's an ability. And we'll, we'll see one example of Nathan breaking ever so slightly later, but like, his ability to stay just stone faced in these moments is is pretty incredible. It's insane, absolutely insane. But uh, next we have uh, the BS report, and they're talking about the idea. Yeah, so Simmons actually, so Simmons had him on a couple times. We have clips from a couple different uh, Bill Simmons interviews. Um, one that he did in 2013 when the show first started, and the other one I think is from 2017 when the show was ending. Uh, so kind of bookending there, and it was interesting. Bill Simmons. It, doesn't get enough eh, credits the wrong word because he's very successful yeah but like he does at times have his finger on the pulse of some stuff in like comedy and entertainment and stuff Mm. like that yeah where uh he he has nathan nathan fielder on for this interview and then when i listened to the interview from 2017 nathan goes yeah no one no no one knew who i was at that time and like the bs report was very big obviously and he goes so i got more texts and like emails and stuff with people congratulating me for being on the bill Simmons podcast than I got for Nathan for you getting on the air, which is crazy. <laughs> so Bill Simmons was at, uh, the forefront. He saw, he, he had Nathan on uh, very early and they talk about, so obviously, um, you know, Nathan worked for comedy central in different variations with, uh, John Benjamin and Dimitri Martin. Uh, so him and Michael Komen were able to pitch 
the idea of Nathan for you. Um, very similar, like I said, to Nathan on your side, but more of um, a marketing angle to it where Nathan is going to come in and uh, help your business. And so that's th- this is them talking about uh, the early stages of the show. After I was done on that show, I pitched, you know, a version of this show to Comedy Central. And then Michael and I figured out what's a way to add more elements and make it more interesting. And we like the the marketing world. I think is a very fun area yeah. to make fun of. And I went to business school. I did my undergrad oh. in uh, I did a Bachelor of Commerce degree before I started doing comedy. Yeah. So I've always wanted to kind of make fun of that world a bit because that mindset and that attitude is fun to go in where you're thinking of the world in a very specific way. It's all about promoting. And sometimes the focus in that area is like people, people put less emphasis on, wait, how does this idea make the world a better place? And it's more about, well, this will help business. And that's the important thing. And I think that attitude is, kind of destructive and weird, but it's fun to emulate that maybe. Yeah. And he also talked about how, you know, not too far before that, you know, you have the um, housing crisis and Bernie Madoff and a lot of stories in the news like that. And he said, what was interesting about a lot of those is like a lot of it involves people who were essentially being polite or like going along with something or afraid to say no or afraid to speak up yeah. because like you kind of just go with the flow, especially if you think you're making money or something like that. Right. And so the, the insight of that is so brilliant to say, I can go to these businesses with ridiculous ideas and get people to go along with them. But I think the true genius of what Nathan was doing was uh, the ideas were idiotic is the wrong word (laughs) because the ideas were ridiculous, Mm -hmm. but there was a genius to them in a sense. Like one of my favorites for this example is the poo flavored yogurt. Did you ever see this? Yes, I did. So he gets, he gets an ice cream store to put a poo flavored yogurt out for like as, as a marketing thing to be like, Hey, we have you, you, uh, you know, frozen yogurt that tastes like shit. Not not just bad frozen yogurt. It literally tastes like shit. And obviously that sounds like a horrible idea. But then you're like, when you, especially when you hear Nathan explain it, you're like, yeah, people are dumb. Maybe they'll come in to taste the poo-flavored yogurt and to wash that out of their mouth, they'll get some cookie dough or something. <laughs> and you'll you know? up, upcharge the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there is, there is an element of brilliance where you're like, God, that could that could work. Yeah, it could. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So the genius of him to like kind of see that in people and know how to play with it uh, really was brilliant. Uh, but next, uh, st- uh, staying with Simmons, they they talk about his deadpan delivery, which is obviously like you know the the key to the show. And like if you're talking about Andy Kaufman, this is completely Andy Kaufman, completely Sasha Baron Cohen. Obviously, a lot of influence there um in in his delivery i would say you seem totally comfortable on the show and like this this deadpan thing you have going where you're just not phased by however however the situation is going yeah so how do you explain that if you're not comfortable but then you're somehow can roll with any punches and seem totally unfazed well when i'm on the show and i know i'm doing it for 
I have a certain goal in mind and I'm trying to create moments with people that are funny. I mm. can, you know, I can go into that zone. Fairly so you're like easily. playing a character a little bit. Uh, I think part of what the show is, is that I think uh, an old version of myself, I mean, your, your listeners probably have no idea what the show is or anything, but well, we're going to um, explain it. It's fine. But yeah, uh, I think that personally, like off camera and growing up, I had a lot of difficulty in social situations and I would panic and I wouldn't be able to really right. communicate properly. And also I couldn't read subtlety that well. So if someone didn't like me or liked me or thought I was nuts, it would be hard for me to tell. So unless they said it overtly, I wouldn't know. Yeah. So part of, I think what I do in the show and with my comedy in general is I'm almost making fun of that version of me and I'm creating a world in which subtlety can't exist mm. for other people. So I think if someone doesn't overtly tell me they don't want to do something, then I'm not registering that. And that's what's so great about the show is that it exposes people's uh, assumption in like knowing how we each feel. Meaning like if I give you an answer, like, yeah, if you ask me, like, do you think this is a good idea? And I go, eh, obviously, you know, no, he doesn't think it's a good idea. Right. But Nathan says, hey, I'm not hearing no. So I'm just going to do it. Right. Right. <laughs> and he's like, he's kind of, he's in a way coaching people to be more direct, which is brilliant. And the other thing I really liked about that clip, as someone who is extremely awkward and uncomfortable in his own skin, I've always, like, my instinct has always been like, how can I better that? Or how can I change it? Or how can I, you know, kind of evolve? Nathan's instinct was to play to that and say, how can I use that to my advantage? Cause you would almost, you would watch this show and think, well, you know, behind the scenes, this guy must be extremely confident to pull this off, <laughs> to not break, to be able to go out and do this and keep a straight face. He must be extremely confident when in reality, he's a, he was a weird guy that was uncomfortable in certain in, uh, social situations and couldn't read people and said, how can I use that to make something hilarious? I, I could, I would need like, I don't, I don't even know a scenario uh, that I would be placed in where it's like, Hey, don't break during this and you can get like whatever amount of money. I would never see a dime. Like I would right, just break right. in like two seconds. So I'm always just sure. fascinated with how stone face he is. Well, that's the thing, especially in these situations, part of you is not even breaking from it being funny. It's like to cut the tension, right? Like if the other per if you're staring at a person in awkward silence and the other person's staring at you back, just out of discomfort, eventually you'll laugh or something, but the, right. that's why he's the perfect guy for it. Right. But even like, uh, uh, the real estate video we watched when he's like, I'd probably do something, you know, myself catch my drift. Just the fact that he immediately just knows to turn it into the exact same thing. And, <laughs> and at every point you would say, I'm just kidding or I'm messing around. Right. <laughs> he continues the bit. Right. Which is, oh, it's perfect. Um, next we have them talking about nice people. Yeah, so the, uh, this is a little bit of what I was talking about before, where like he was able to essentially take advantage of politeness. Go to these businesses a lot of the times. These business owners are really nice, sweet people most of the time. I'm sure that comes across. Yes. So 
you know, I'll pitch the idea and you can kind of see on their face that they think it's bad and they don't <laughs> want to do it. But at the same time, they don't want to hurt my feelings yep. and tell me it's a stupid idea <laughs> because they're just nice people. So a lot of times it seems like they'll go along with something because they just don't want to offend me or hurt my feelings. And that's always, I think, interesting to watch because it's a lot of shows. I feel like you see people, real people stuff where you go into situations to get people mad sometimes. Yeah. But these people, their kindness comes out in a way. But that's what I was talking about with the the subtlety doesn't exist. If the owner doesn't say, I don't want to do it, get out of here. I assume he wants to do it, <laughs> even if his face is kind of like, oh, OK. <laughs> and I always wonder how they get people to go along with these things, because obviously you have to sign away certain rights and things like that to be to be shown on these shows. And also, like with Impractical Jokers as the example, mm -hmm. they're big enough to the point, like when they were here in Boston, they sold out the Wang Theater multiple shows, which is a 3,000 seat venue. So you would hear that and ask yourself, well, if someone's walking down the street and Sal Volcano walks up to you saying something insane, wouldn't you be like, hey, you seem familiar. <laughs> right. But what kind of across the board, these guys. So what I, I've heard a lot of these people that do hidden camera shows and things like that, what a lot of them say is just, you'd be surprised how much a people want to be on TV for some reason. Right. <laughs> Which I think that's how I think Nathan played to a lot of those advantages where if he says, Hey, I'm doing a show, I'm doing some reality show on, you know, what Bravo or something where we're, whatever the network is where we're, uh, uh, you know, taking small businesses and trying to lift them up. People are like, Hey, that's going to be good for business. But also there's something to like, just people aren't really fully paying attention all the time, you know? Right. Like people aren't saying uh, people are more focused on the immediacy of like, well, this is going to be weird if I call this guy out, especially if we're on camera or whatever. Fine. But to make me more comfortable right now, I'll go along with this. Well, and I think that's what the, this type of comedy exposes so much. Yeah. And on top of it, he comes across as like legitimately uh, some kind of special needs. Yeah. You're like, he's he's autistic. I don't want yeah. to let him down. Right. <laughs> Whatever he wants. Well, and, and from what he says, it kind of sounds like he might actually have it. I mean, I'm sure there's some element yeah. to it. Obviously, he's very, uh, you know, high functioning. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, but next we have the free bird of Nathan for you, which is a uh, dumb Starbucks. Yeah, so I would say this is his, uh, it's hard to argue that the one we're, we're going to talk about after might have been as big. But I think if you ask the average, you know, if uh, uh, the family feud style, this would probably be the number one answer, oh, I would for think. Sure. But th this is the first time I heard of Nathan Fielder because I heard about dumb Starbucks before I knew who Nathan Fielder was. I heard, yeah, I, people thought it was like Banksy or the people had all these theories as to what exactly dumb Starbucks was. So yeah, essentially what's that? I was going to say this hit the news before the show was even announced. Yes. So um, let me explain real quick is Nathan was helping out a small coffee shop, <laughs> trying to get, try, try to try to drum up business. And Nathan had the idea of just 
plastering a giant Starbucks sign outside so people think it's Starbucks. And then they said, well, obviously you can't do that. That's a, that's illegal. Starbucks will sue you. So he says, well, wait a minute. What about parody law? You know, that's how a lot that's how like SNL gets away with impersonating people, things like that, like uh, fair use and parody law. So if I put dumb on it, clearly I'm mocking Starbucks. So that's a parody of Starbucks. So now, so and again, much like I said about the poo flavored yogurt, like, Genius. That does make sense. Oh yeah, because you're gonna you just long term. I don't think it's gonna work, but it makes sense to get people in the door because you're just gonna see the logo and go. Right. And your brain's just gonna go Starbucks and not see the small typed out dumb on it. Well, it became a thing of like mocking Starbucks, mm-hmm. and then it got even more publicity because Starbucks was going to sue dumb Starbucks for uh, you know brand infringement or copyright infringement or whatever it is. Yeah. Um. So it makes the news. People don't know what this is. Uh, and Nate, this is a season two of Nathan for you, I think. And um, Nathan Fielder said that he would have much rather. And I, I agree. I think this would have been better. But I also actually get where Comedy Central is coming from. Um, so what Nathan wanted is no one ever says anything about who owns it or like it never goes public until the show airs on a Wednesday night at 10 30 PM. And then the, you know, people watching, I'll go, Oh shit. That was Nathan Fielder that owns dumb Starbucks. <laughs> but comedy central said like, Hey, this is a show that had a, has a fringe audience. We need publicity. And I actually do kind of get that in a sense. Yeah. Um, so they jumped out ahead of it and said, uh, actually, it's Nathan for you, uh, Nathan Fielder. So uh, Nathan Fielder had to actually give a press conference outside. By the way, I, I don't know if I said this already. Line around the block for dumb Starbucks. This mm-hmm. became like a massive success. Yeah. And uh, so Nathan has to address the press. I don't need permission to use their logo because we're operating under parody law, which means as long as we're making fun of Starbucks, we are allowed to use their corporate identity. Starbucks has not contacted <laughs> me personally, uh, but uh, they have uh, made statements through the press that I'm, you know, kind of disappointed with. You know, as a fan of Starbucks, you know, you know, I don't want to cause you know a, ba- uh, you know, David or Goliath thing going on, but. I do want to say if, if they keep the pressure up, they do risk losing me as a customer. The dumb is just out of necessity. My entire marketing plan depended on using their corporate logo to get attention. And the only way to legally do it is by using dumb. So it was the minimum we could do to abide by the law. I love Starbucks. And this has been overwhelming, you know, obviously we didn't expect to have this much attention and you know there's been lines around the block and very few small businesses get that from the from the start so it kind of proves how good of an idea this actually was in terms of like you know people are coming because they recognize that starbucks name yet we are legally able to use it and operate as an independent coffee shop the company of that size if they were going to would have done something by now but i think uh you know we can tell how smart they are because they're making the wise choice by not pursuing a case they know they can't win. <laughs> he's just challenging them. <laughs> <laughs> he knows it will be better for his show if he's getting sued by Starbucks. Uh, of course. Yeah, so he, uh, but I, the reason I hesitated when you said the biggest one is because he had a couple of these go very viral. Right. Which is pretty incredible for a show that, like, 
Um, not a ton of people were like, like season one was half a million viewers an episode or less, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, for 1030 on cable, it's not terrible, but it's not a, a tremendous amount of people. And back when it aired too, that, that number's not that high. 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like it, it is, a, it is a fringe show and yet Nathan was able to make news, um, in at least a couple of different seasons. So, uh, the other one, Hold on, real quick, me, real quick, yeah. before we move on from dumb Starbucks, the only, if I recall right, the reason that it actually didn't end up working was just because he didn't get like a food license. It wasn't even the um, parody thing. If I'm recalling correctly, you might be right. There are, there are, there <laughs> Also, like the storyline in a lot of these, where like they they tug at your heartstrings. Yes. Like the business owner is like, Nathan, what are we doing? <laughs> and Nathan just takes over. Like it gets so big that Nathan's now in charge and he has pushed the business owner aside. Oh, and you know what else was crazy is because it got, it got shut down because they found that loophole. I think it was like because they were selling food and they didn't have a proper license. I'm almost positive that's why. But yeah, like uh, dumb Starbucks cups and stuff were going for so much money on eBay, <laughs> right? Like three hundred yeah, bucks yeah. for a styrofoam cup. I remember. I, I didn't know who Nathan Fielder was, and I heard of dumb Starbucks. I rem- like remember that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> there was also. I mean, there are so many great sketches, but like uh, or episodes. But there's one where um, he he offers he gets a pizza place to offer. Uh, if they're not there in 30 minutes or less, you get a second pizza free. <laughs> so people are like, okay, <laughs> great. I remember that. And one. inevitably they were never there. And, under, <laughs> or, and you know, it might've been like eight minutes or something impossible. Yeah. It was like eight minutes or something like that. And so Nathan would give them a second pizza that was just a tiny, it was, it was barely, it was not a slice of pizza. It was a tiny little slab of dough with sauce and cheese on it. It was smaller than like those table talk pies. Yeah. And so he had these like marketing ideas that were on some level, like with any analogy, with any pushback, you would say these aren't going to work. Mm-hmm. But at first glance, you're like, okay, that'll drum up some bit. I see where you're going for. <laughs> I, you know? I got you doing. <laughs> um, so I mentioned the, uh, the, the other viral video. Um, but let me, let's hear, uh, Nathan talk about it first and then we'll get more into it. So would you title the clip? It said pig oh, rescues sorry. I, No, it does. It does warrant a little more setup. So this one, Nathan is helping a petting zoo. He's trying to get more business for a petting <laughs> zoo. Yeah. And he said, um, well, you know, what's popular right now is viral videos. That's a, just a great form of marketing. So if we get a video with, you know, some of your animals to go viral, mm-hmm. uh, then that'll be great marketing for the petting zoo. So he ha- he wants a pig to save a baby goat. That's yes. the <laughs> idea of the video. Yeah. And so they set up like a with with scuba divers and all these <laughs> camera tricks and all this kind of stuff that uh, a pig saves a baby goat from drowning. Like pig jumps in the water and saves the baby goat. And so Nathan posts this video and it took off more than he could imagine. Would you title the clip? said pig rescues baby goat and you didn't email it to one person no i mean the only people that knew about it i guess were the people that worked on the show but um <laughs> we just put it on youtube and then so you the go next, to you go to bed and you wake up the next morning and, and what happens i i mean a website i go to sometimes is gawker so i literally just you know 
went on there and I saw our video and I was thinking, oh my God, this is absurd. This is so funny how this happened. And then I saw on Reddit or someone told me it's all over Reddit. I guess people were posting and it was up on the front page. And and at that point, it's kind of scary because, okay, this is a bit out of our control. Then I got... (laughs) <laughs> uh, to work and someone said, oh, I saw that on CNN. Someone who <laughs> didn't actually know about it, that it was fake. Mm. And then we saw it on all these morning shows and then that evening it was on the nightly news with Brian Williams. That was my favorite part. Because you would think they would have had editorial standards. <laughs> I think it was before Brian Williams got uh, canned. Right. <laughs> for, for, for his own fabrications. But uh, this is interesting. And Nathan also said, I think he told the New York times, like um, he goes, what's interesting is if we set out to make journalism look ridiculous, <laughs> imagine what we could have done. No kidding. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, the intent of this wasn't get a bunch of people to misreport it. It's like, let's see if we can get, you know, 250,000 views for a fake video. And this was back when like you see a video, you assume it's real. Unlike today that I have to like, look up 17 sources to make sure I'm not getting deep faked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fake videos certainly existed 10 years ago, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're right. It's not like there wasn't a whole show where like, now we'll play clips on uh WATS Thursdays at six, by the way, folks, um, we'll play clips on there where people are, people are like idiots. You didn't know this was fake. And I'm like, I guess I didn't assume it was, I don't know. Right. Like, and now you have but, to assume like everything's fake. Yeah, so now you kind of have to assume way. anything could be fake. Whereas back then that wasn't necessarily the case as much. Um, but yeah, it like the intention was not to make CNN and NBC report on this and have them look silly video ends up getting, uh, you know, 7 million views. I mean, that's, that's when, uh, the episode aired, I think now I don't know how many it has. But like before people knew it was fake, it had about 7 million views and uh, it goes crazy. It's all over the news. And uh, like I said, Nathan basically said the most interesting thing. And that's got to be a scary element, too, because, you know, people have said before, what's eye opening is when something something journalistically, something in the news, whatever is reported about you, mm-hmm. like even on a much smaller scale, but like. I was mentioned in Julie DeCaro's book and she lists me as like Kirk Minahan's co-host or something. And it's like, that would have taken three seconds for you to look up and it was published in a, in a book. And so you, it makes you kind of realize like, Oh, I wonder how many things that book gets wrong. And then it makes you think, I wonder how many things every book gets wrong. Right. You know? So with like David Fielder, he's like, Oh, C- CNN and NBC and you know, the today show and good morning America and all these outlets are getting this wrong. That must be the level of effort they put into everything, which is <laughs> astonishing. Uh, I just looked up um, the video on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was posted 11 years ago and is averaging 1 million views a year still. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> well, oh, that this is the other thing they talked about where what's crazy is, the, you know, look at how many people have seen that video and think about how many people have watched Nathan for you. Now, again, Nathan Fielder, like the rehearsal was very popular and this Emma Stone show is very popular. Nathan Fielder's trending often. I think a lot more people know who Nathan Fielder is than when Nathan for you was on the air. But so many more people saw that video than mm-hmm. have seen Nathan for you. Right. That, that there are people out there and I don't know the number. 
but a percentage of that, you know, however many million at this point, a percentage of them, if you said, hey, I wonder if a pig has ever saved a baby goat, they would say, as a matter of fact, I've seen it. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And they'll yeah. never not, they'll never, they'll just go through life assuming that they saw that and it was real and they tucked it back in their memory and they might not even remember that they saw it at this point. But if a pig and a baby goat get brought up, they'll be like, hey, I saw a video where one was saving right. the other. Well, so it has 11 million video uh, views right now and you got to yeah. assume. So like, what did you say? Like a half a million people might've watched an episode. Yeah. But even let's say, let's say, you know, Six million people have seen Nathan for you at this point. Yeah, I was ten million. There's still a million people, (laughs) right? I was gonna say like two or three million probably have seen the show at some point, right? You know, Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's, it's just fascinating to think about. But uh, there's a little more on this viral video, right? Uh, The debate. Yeah. So this is uh, what was interesting is conversation. Not only is the news covering it, conversations started to pop up around this video, and this is what Nathan also found interesting. The craziest thing was this debate that started online where people were saying it was it was people were using it to prove their mandates where kind of vegans were saying, like, see, this proves that animals are more intelligent than humans, more intelligent than we thought. And science blogs were posting it and saying this is proof. A lot of people were saying, like, we're terrible to animals. And this this here proves that animals are smart smarter than we thought yeah and smarter than us and people were saying a human wouldn't jump in to save that goat but an animal did mm. so it was crazy the people that congregated around it and used it as kind of a tool to sell a point which was maybe the funniest part that no one's actually really talked about so yeah, you was- validated all of these people's feelings about different things but yet it was a totally fake video yeah, yeah. and it was Interesting to see that debate. Happen. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so, uh, and I mean, how often do we see that now in the news all the time where people get so worked up over these things? And you know what a great example, this just popped in my mind, a, a great um, similar bit to this is in Aziz Ansari's last special. It was like after he got canceled for the thing that was ridiculous that he got canceled for. Mm -hmm. But uh, he came back and did a Netflix special and he did the apology right out of the gate and then kind of slowly walked back that apology throughout the the special, I thought, is how I took it. Um, And he has one great bit where he talks about... um, I, I forget the specifics. I forget if he says the New York Times reported on it and I, I forget if he says Pizza Hut or maybe just a generic pizza place but essentially brings up this news story where uh pizza place made a um swastika out of pepperonis on a pizza yes they did and the person that um got this pizza you know took a picture of it puts it on social media calls out the pizza place says i can't believe you know these racists at this pizza place uh put a swastika on my pizza and then a debate started online where some people said it was a swastika, some people said it wasn't a swastika, and then he asked the audience, he goes, how many people here think it was a swastika? And, you know, a portion of the audience cheers. And he says, how many people think it wasn't a a swastika? And the rest of the audience cheers. And he says, you know, what's interesting about that story is it never happened, I just made it up. 
And so he suckered the audience into believing this thing that he taking a side. They took a side. The audience took a stand on this issue that he just made up. I thought that actually did happen. I thought that did happen. No, Craig's even believing it now. Which yeah. is which is which is even more of a statement on all of this. But that's that's my point is like what's what's brilliant about it is like you get people so with their heels dug in on this issue and it's something that's entirely fake. Yeah. And so people are saying like this is what hat pigs can save goats. Uh, and meanwhile it's just Nathan Fielder and a scuba diver <laughs> making a city video for Comedy Central. Uh CNN June 29th, 2020. Couple receives pizza with pepperoni swastika. Interesting. I don't, I don't know, know when that's. I mean, this is not. This is not. This is not the time or the program <laughs> to get into this. But I just want to prove but I yeah, did. I, I the, did the, see the that. Trying to the Aziz bit was that it didn't happen. So uh, that was. Yeah, I think that that might have actually come out after the special. I was going to say I think that that also was after the special. <clears throat> but um, next we have Cry Wolf. So this is one of the fascinating things from Nathan for you is uh, I mentioned it in the pantheon of Seinfeld and The Simpsons and these great shows. Uh, it also had a spinoff. <laughs> uh, so let's just play this clip and I'll tell you more about it. Investigate. People come to me with questions. I need you to find out where he is. My job is to get him answers. What are you doing here? I collect the evidence. Wow, what an embrace. I uncover the truth. Where are you going? I can't stay here. He could kill me. This is what I do and I'm damn good at it. Guys, leave it. Let's go. I'm not going to lose him. Let's go. The question is, are you sure you want to know? Crime Wolf, all new, Tuesdays at 10, only on Investigation Discovery. So, so that guy was uh, Nathan Fielder's private investigator, who I believe Nathan Fielder says now hates him, <laughs> but he did get a spinoff out of it. Um, but the way he was brought into the show was uh, this guy had, uh, Nathan kept mentioning what horrible Yelp reviews he had. <laughs> And the guy's like, what is, what is that? What is Yelp? Just Google me. Don't look at Yelp. Don't worry about that. But um, to, to warrant hiring this man, like Nathan Fielder wasn't sure about his qualifications. So he said, I want you to follow me for a day. And if I think you do a good job, you're hired. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brian Wolf's uh, private investigator says, easy peasy, no problem. But what Nathan did is hire like eight lookalikes <laughs> So like people that look like Nathan were just leaving his house at all hours of the day and coming back to his house. Yeah. He had like doppelgangers just swarming his home. So this guy couldn't keep track of which one was Nathan. (laughs) Again, so brilliantly done. Very funny. Um, Yeah. And there was also, um, so what Nathan did later is there was a a security guard uh, involved in the show. That was also very funny. Uh, His name was Simon. And they tried to pay because this Brian Wolf guy got a, a reality show and then ended up kind of turning his back on the show. Um, Nathan tried to get Simon a reality show called Simon Sees. And it was about a security <laughs> guard who was uh, very focused on large breasted women. <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't work out. Uh, there were there were so many great characters on this show. Like um, one guy who they brought back, uh, they did a, a dating show where Nathan wanted to, you know, kind of get better at interpersonal relationships and dating. Um, so he held like a fake bachelor show where he obviously is the bachelor. Mm-hmm. And to make it seem realistic for the women, they obviously had to make it look like a real show. So they hired a host. 
So they hired like some actor that thought he was hosting a reality show. And meanwhile, he was just introducing Nathan to these women, (laughs) (laughs) but then like they ended up bringing him back. So that guy ended up hosting like a one hour special they did um, before the fourth season. So like they, they ended up using some of these guys. There's also a guy I'm blanking on his name right now, but a guy that worked in Nathan's office that he used a lot. He tried to find him love. And uh, we'll also get to Bill, who was in the finale uh, in a minute. But a lot of great characters developed through Nathan for you. People that you really felt for. <laughs> you felt for everybody. Yeah. Um, next is Wire Walk. Oh, so this is interesting. There's also an episode where he had to, um, you know, do like a trapeze walk, basically. And watching that, I thought he's like able to pull it off. And I thought watching it, you just kind of assume like, well, he was in a magic as a kid. Maybe he practiced on the trapeze or something. maybe he has some sort of skill or maybe they got a stunt man or something. But what he's talking about here is why the show was so authentic and well done. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, we are, when we were coming up with that episode, that was actually an idea we had in um, the second season yeah. of the show. And, we didn't really have the resources or time to execute it properly. So we like put it on hold. And when we started to do the third season, we were like, okay, we knew we wanted to do that. Yeah. So we had kind of thought about it and I started training like very early, but in the initial discussions, I remember we had, we talked for a while about, there's gotta be a way to do this where I don't have to be the one wire walking because it's such a waste of time for such a small like it's one part of one episode and yeah. to learn this is like everyone we talked to it's they were saying like it, it takes like two or three years to kind of really do it at that scale where you can do that and so i we couldn't figure out a funnier way or another way to do it so i I just started working at it and I started like doing it while we were shooting and writing. I would like train on the weekends. Isn't that what makes the show great though, is that you went all in on this one event that was a small part of one episode and you spent nine months training. Yes, to do I, it. Yeah. I and that's do. kind of the secret that. sauce there. Yeah. <laughs> so, and th- that's they hit the nail on the head there where like, yes, you could have gotten a, you know, stunt man of some kind to do that. But, and, and, you know, maybe we'd be none the wiser in the episode, but we're also not talking about Nathan Fielder in the same way like we are today. And I don't think he has the reputation around him that, that he does, because what made that show great was the hundred percent dedication to it, to making it authentic and putting Nathan in these uh, sort of situations. You know, if you put a stuntman in that situation, it's not the same. It doesn't have the same feel to it. It probably would now. Cause we'd be like, Oh, that's so Nathan. <laughs> man, yeah, man. Well, that's the thing is once you, it's hard to build up to that, I think, but mm-hmm. there is an element now where it's like anything he does, you're like, Oh, good job, Nate. You're a genius. <laughs> I can't question you know, you anything. Can't break that reputation <laughs> right. at this point. I can't question anything you do. That's true. Um, uh, next, we have uh, him telling a late night story. Oh, so yeah, we'll, we'll play a clip and I'll tell you why. I, it might seem boring at first, but I'll tell you why I included this. This is him on Jimmy Kimmel. I get off the plane, I got my luggage, I get my rental car, I go to the hotel. And when I open my suitcase, my jaw literally drops because none of my clothes are inside. 
and but the bag is mine. So I'm like having this weird thing where I like don't understand. I realize what happened. It's it's like someone had the identical bag to me and I took it. And it's a big problem because like uh, my suit for the wedding was in my bag and I'm literally in shorts and a t-shirt. Okay. Like yeah, you know, yeah, like literally travel in your worst clothes because like if the plane goes down, you know, you're not going to get blood on your nice clothes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So, so he's doing this interview and he's kind of doing it. Um, I, I will say the one thing I found interesting, like I found a few interviews where he's like in character, mm-hmm. but I was able to find some, like you hear him with Bill Simmons and he's like, Oh, he's talking like a regular guy. Yeah. What I found interesting in this Jimmy Kimmel clip, like the first time I saw it, I was like, Oh, he's being like charming. You know, he's, he's it's it's a typical talk show guest where he came in with a wacky airline vacation mix-up story. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, that's interesting. That that doesn't strike me as Nathan Fielder. Uh, and then when you see the episode on Comedy Central, there's an episode centered around this where he gets invited on Jimmy Kimmel, and he say, you know, he's he's worried his stories are too boring. <laughs> so so what he does is create. He makes up the perfect late night talk show story, (laughs) but he doesn't want to be exposed as a liar. So he recreates that. He makes sure this happens, that his bag gets mixed up. He goes to the wedding that he's supposed to be at in case, in case one day he ever gets called out for this story being a lie. He comes up with a great late night talk show story and then made it happen. (laughs) Made it real. (laughs) That's too funny. Um, uh, yeah. so it's, it's so, it's so well done in the sense that he's taking things like that's something too, where it's kind of, it's making fun of these fairly generic late night pre-interview setup talk show moments and just like kind of exposing what that is like, oh, well let's try and create one of those, which would obviously be ridiculous. And then you see how ridiculous that would be. Right. <laughs> Uh, next, we have maybe the shortest clip in the history of the show. Yeah, I hope this plays. <laughs> I hope this translates. So this is with uh, Bill, one of my favorite characters, Bill, who we'll talk about a little more in a minute. But uh, Bill was a Bill Gates impersonator um, who ended up being used a couple more times on the show. And then the more Nathan used him, the m- more you realize how crass he is. So he's talking about uh, having relations with a woman. And this is the one time I saw Nathan break because there, there's an episode we're about to talk about where you're almost like, I'm not sure if this is totally set up. And this is a moment where you're like, Oh, okay. Maybe Nathan is realizing this is, this is who this bill guy is when he's talking about, you know, betting the ladies. I hate to use that term. You got to know what you're sticking it in. Jesus. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Never in the history of like, I, if you haven't seen the episode, maybe that clip doesn't make any sense to you. But I, you never saw that in the four year run of the show where Nathan's like, like Nathan's the one that's taken aback. Where he's like, Jesus Christ, he, he's getting Nathan. You gotta know what you're sticking it in. He's getting Nathaned by this guy. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, so Bill. Well, first, uh, what's our next clip? I don't want to give too much away about Bill. The greatest intro ever. Oh yeah. So while we're talking about segments from the show, this is, it's one of the hardest laughs I've gotten from a TV show. Maybe ever is the first time. Like, so I'm just, I binged these on Hulu 
um, I may have seen one or two when it was on Comedy Central, but the real like watch through I did was when it was on Hulu. So I'm just binging these. And then this episode called uh, The Claw comes on. And this is just how the episode starts. And I think it's the greatest television intro of all time. Good evening. We're coming to you from the historic Elysian Park in Los Angeles, California. Now, every week on my show, I challenge people to take big risks. But some have been critical that I never take risks myself. Well, tonight, that's all going to change. Over the past month, I've been learning how to pick the lock on these police-grade handcuffs. Why, you ask? Because tonight, I'm going to take a bigger risk than anyone has ever taken on television before. In just a few moments, I'm going to be handcuffed to this solid steel frame, and I'll have exactly 90 seconds to free myself before the claw on this robotic arm undoes my pants, <laughs> exposing me to an audience of children. If that happens, an LAPD officer is standing by to arrest me for indecent exposure. We've all seen escape artists risk death before, but tonight, I'm going to risk something even worse becoming a registered sex offender for life. And what you're gonna see tonight is 100% real. Welcome to Nathan For You. This is the Claw of Shame. <laughs> there was something, there was just something great about not expecting that and hearing, like, risking becoming a sex offender. This is Nathan For You. <laughs> when, he goes, when he goes exposing myself, you're like, oh, that'll be funny on TV. He goes to all these kids and, and just sitting there. To a group of children. And then throughout the episode, like, obvious, obvious I... I have to assume they have it set up so it's not actually going to happen that way. Yeah, like their kids aren't but, actually there or something. But through something, but through like as you're watching the episode, you're like, he's getting close to getting his pants pulled down. And these kids look like are all intently looking on. <laughs> it's uh, his, but that's again the that deadpan delivery. Like you couldn't just put someone else in that show and have it be anywhere near as funny. It's not possible. I mean. Trying to film that scene, I would break every single time. Right. Yeah. And I'm saying even other, could, there are other comedic geniuses that couldn't pull that off with that delivery. No one. I don't, I don't know if anyone could pull it off. Like maybe Kaufman, I guess. But like, <laughs> <laughs> um, we're on our last clip here. Yeah. So this is where we're going to talk a little bit more about Bill, because again, to talk about um, Nathan for you standing in television history, the finale is one of the most beautiful things ever put on television. It's so well done and such a departure from what the rest of the show is. So he's going to be a little vague here. Well, he's kind of setting it up and then we'll uh, drive it home. And so this year there was something that happened kind of like behind the scenes that we're like, oh, maybe this could be an episode or a segment. And then it turned into like a two hour story yeah and so that's like our finale this year is two hours long yeah which is very because we've even had a hard time like making stories that will last one episode because we'll sometimes do multiple and so this one just took us into like a crazy territory that was very different than anything we've done on the show before and i'm very curious to see what people think about it because it's like tonally very different than what we've done. So you went to Comedy Central and you said, I'm going to need two hours for no, the season finale? No, we didn't want to do that. We okay. just started shooting. And then like kind of near the end of shooting it, I called Kent Alterman, who's the yeah. uh, 
president of Comedy Central. Oh, yeah. And I was like, hey, so like, I know you like I have a contract to deliver like half hour episodes. And I'm like, this one's like going to be a lot longer. And he's like, well, how long? And I'm like, I think it might be like two hours long. <laughs> and he's like, he was really skeptical. And he was like, uh, okay, well, why don't you edit it together and then like show it to me? So we did and we screened it for him and he was like, okay, I see what you mean. And he's <laughs> so for anyone that hasn't seen the finale, I won't give any spoilers necessarily, but I'll just tell you. So when you get to this episode, when you're watching on Hulu or wherever else it is now, um, when you watch it, you get, and you see an hour and a half, that's weird that they would give Nathan for you, uh, out because without commercials it's like an hour and a half let's say mm-hmm. essentially give them a movie as a finale that's very bizarre especially for comedy central um and then when you watch it it has the vibe for anyone that's seen the rehearsal nathan fielder's next show after nathan for you it has the vibe of the rehearsal in a sense where you're like this isn't as much of a comedy as the rest of the episodes it's almost a drama like there's certainly some very funny parts but what it is is basically uh they realize bill who's the bill gates impersonator um bill has a long lost love that he's been opining for and nathan helps him reconnect with this old love he hasn't been able to get in touch with her and he helps them reconnect and then along the line he kind of realizes that maybe bill hasn't been entirely truthful with him about some things (laughs) it's a fascinating episode of television it's like one of my favorite finales ever which you're not expecting from this show you would think it would just be another you know nathan would think of a wacky way to end the show like but a, you weren't expecting essentially a movie. Yeah, like a slightly crazier story than normal. Right. Yeah, or something like he has some wacky plot to end the show, right. you know? Right, that he somehow um, got someone to agree to. You're like, he gets himself no. canceled or something like right. that, you know? Right, Um, But no, this is like, it tugs at your heartstrings. It's beautifully done. Um, You know, I, I always wonder with this stuff, like how much of it is real. Cause there are times where you're like, this person has to be in on it to some extent. Um, or there, there has to be some editing going on here, but you know, I don't really care because it's so well done, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, it's like one of my favorite finales ever, but I think partially because you of, you're not expecting it to go where it goes, but it really is great. Everyone should check it out. Hulu. Go to Hulu. We get yes. nothing for Yeah, it. let me promote. Nathan Fielder's, uh, you know, he needed my bump, so I wanted to give the kid a shot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I figured, you know, I'm, I am always surprised when we get people say, like, particularly because um, some of our, like, Opie and Anthony stuff or Howard Stern stuff generally does the best as far as, like, YouTube and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But we always get comments where people are like, hey, I wasn't a fan of this, but, like, now I'm going to check some more stuff out. Like I didn't know a ton about Opie and Anthony or I didn't necessarily know this segment or whatever, but now I'm going to go check it out. So I'm surprised at how often we get comments like that. Mm-hmm. So hopefully some of you guys checked out this episode without watching Nathan for you and it inspires you to, because it really is a great show. And you know, I'd be curious to know now that Nathan has had more success, how popular it is, because I still think there are a lot of people um, that haven't, seen it that like it it just missed them it's only four seasons i think eight episodes a season or something like that so there's not a ton out there so it's easy to fly through but it's also very uh, easy for people to miss so make sure you go check it out if you haven't already or give it a rewatch i like the idea 
Yes. Um, and Craig should go finish it for God's sake. He's I know. In the first two seasons. I know. Um, yeah. So do that. But more importantly, I mean, Nathan Fielder's doing pretty well for himself. He's on screen <laughs> with Emma Stone, for God's sake. That's right. Well, you, who you need to support is the boys. Uh, go to blindmike.net if you'd be so kind. Support the, guys, the show. The guys. Every The guys. Support the guys. <laughs> uh, everywhere you get podcasts whether it be Apple, Spotify, or on YouTube. Try to get those YouTube numbers pumping. Subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. Tap the notification bell. Like, comment, all that stuff helps the show. It helps the show grow. It gets more people like you on it. If you like the show, then uh, YouTube you know, knows your algorithm, and they know how to get it to more people like you, I guess. Uh, so do that. Do all that if you want to support the show for free. And uh, if you like us even more and want more of us, then become a member on Patreon or YouTube whichever is easier for you. I recommend Patreon just because we can do more stuff there uh, like Quincy um, and uh, any uh, sort of watch alongs that we do on Patreon. So check those out, but either on Patreon or YouTube, you'll always get um, bonus episodes as well as these episodes a week before they go out to the freeloaders. So uh, support the show. We appreciate you guys. Blindmike.net is the easiest place to do that. And uh, you can check out Craig's stuff, verygoodshow.org. He's been lying to us about doing a true crime podcast. Uh, but maybe one day he'll upload one. Recording one tonight, or last night if you're listening on Patreon, and last week if you're listening for free. Yes. And if, and if uh, we so don't... show.org. And if we don't, that show's dead and it's never happening. And I can't trust anyone I do a podcast with. That's the spirit. That's the spirit. So go to blindmike.net for this show and go to verygoodshow.org. If uh, you want to guess whether or not Craig's <laughs> doing a podcast. And, uh, oh, by the way, yeah, Blind Mike Project and Who Are These Socials, if you want to check out my other shows as well. So uh, do all of that. We appreciate you guys. Uh, feel free to send us any suggestions for super future episodes. And uh, until next time, we will see you later on Why You Laughing. Zip it up and zip it out. Yeah.